0: Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the US version of Top Gear. Adam, podcast is a big hit and available everywhere.
1: Sounds like it could be funny.
0: Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back.
1: Ah, we got another great show for you again this week. My guest in the ADD interview is comedian, rapper, and a man who got a standing O on the Stephen Colbert Show. His name is Chris Turner. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every Tuesday, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, join our conversation. We would love to have you there. And our superfan shout-out is for Declan. Say hi to Declan, everybody. Hey, Declan. What's up, Declan? How you doing? Uh, Declan Phil would like to say hello, but uh, I have no energy. You just you drain me of any energy at all. He's he's exhausted, so he can't <laughs> go. Yeah. <laughs> he's on his way to Europe right now. He's he's doing a crossing on his way to Europe, <laughs> so I can't talk to him. I can't text him. I can't. It's six days. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, it is so good to be back. I have had I've had a very busy couple of days. Uh, I was in Mexico uh, for Toyota, which was a lot of fun, and I just got back from Indianapolis, where I went for the uh, the National Firefighters Convention, the FDIC, which was a lot of fun. I got to do a lot of stuff. I got to I got to put out a fire. <laughs> nice, I nice. did. I did. They they, uh, they they put me in uh, in full gear, uh, and they they lit a car on fire. Which they right. did. I didn't. <laughs> I,
2: I, Adam and fire do not go together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I did. I usually caused them, but this time I, I I was there to put it
3: out. <laughs> oh man! Didn't you do this kind of thing one time? Um, was it Ju- Julia Margulies? Do I have that right? Yeah. And she, she put you to shame because she was like, let's let's run in there. And you're like, wait a yeah. minute, what are we doing? Yeah. yeah, that was at The Rock. That was at the
1: training center on Randall's Island. I'm going there Friday. I'm doing the oh. benefit with Leary Friday.
3: Yeah, I'm going oh, back again. Cool. Now I that's
2: know. Cool. <laughs> now I that's, know.
3: That's awesome.
2: When I think of fire, I think of the Top Gear episode where you tried to melt ice.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> they, I put a flamethrower on the top of a school bus. <laughs>
2: That's how I think of Adam and fire.
1: When I think of fire yeah. from Top Gear. I had a 70 Maverick that we turned into a monster truck. And we we're supposed to race the monster trucks around. Uh, mm-hmm. And I got a maybe one lap, one and a half laps. And the whole wiring harness caught on fire. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, I'm on fire. There you go. That's Adam. And I was so, and I did nothing. It just caught on fire. And I was so disappointed. <laughs> I, no, I did nothing. And I was so disappointed. I got out. And I looked down and, and Tan just looked at me and goes, that's racing. And I went, you are a little shit. That doesn't help. <laughs> I'm disappointed and that doesn't help.
2: Did they give you any fire classes on Top Gear just in case? No.
1: <laughs> there was there, no the, the training. I got news <laughs> for you. Top Gear never even asked to see my driver's license. There was still oh, nothing.
2: <laughs> that's a little scary. Yeah.
3: That's great.
1: <laughs> I, just, I just showed up, but but yeah, the firefighters were great. They they put me in a Scott pack. They uh, I was breathing through the Scott pack, and they, uh, first I uh, I put the uh, first I was on the hose, so I had a, you got to wet the ground so the gasoline doesn't ignite, um, and then we opened up the the driver's door and I I, I put the fire out that way, Dan. They said, do you want to use the, uh, uh, the pick and the ax? I go, yeah. Okay. So <laughs>
3: of course yeah, yes. Goes, All
1: right. I'll be on the hose. I'll wet the ground, go over. You got to pierce the hood and vent it. You got to vent the hood. So when you open it, there's no fires and shoot out of it. So I got to smash this hood, vent it, open it up. And then they put the fire out and that was fun. <laughs> so yeah, I got to do that. I got to drive an electric fire truck. Wow. Yeah. How'd yeah, that got, handle? That was, believe it or not, the turning race was great. It's four wheel steering. Wow! All I didn't know you steer- drove that. Yeah, all-wheel steering. It's the ro- it was Rosen. It was a Rosenbaum. So they the, it can't fight fires on Friday after sundown.
3: <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's gotta, gotta stay
1: kosher. Yeah, but uh, but it was great. It was a Rosenbaum fire truck, and they said, guy turn around here." I go, "This thing, this thing has the turning radius of Pittsburgh. I can't make it turn it around here. I'm gonna go right <laughs> up on the curb." And I'm like, "I'm like, this guy's trying to set me up." Right away, I went to. <laughs> this guy Suspicion. set me up. Yes. Yeah, I know the turning radius of a truck and it goes, nah, it's four wheel steering. I said, all right. And I did it and it was fine. I was like, wow. Then I That's felt- That's cool. Yeah, so it was really cool. So uh, yeah, I got to drive the electric fire truck. I got to ride in a hovercraft. I think, honey, did you post that? Yeah, it's all up. Yeah, what, look at the hovercraft. The guys- uh, taking me in this personal hovercraft. It's like a little, uh, little two, three man cedar hovercraft, and it's used for emergency evacuations. He's driving up on the sidewalk, and he's driving right past the uh, the porta potty. And I said, "Pull over, I got to pee." And he stopped. <laughs> of
3: course, you did.
1: I did. And I got out, and I peed, and I came back. The crowd was laughing. So yeah, I got to do that.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. What a yeah, cool was time. Yeah, it was <laughs> fun. Honey, we need a hovercraft. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me look on Amazon real quick. Yeah. <laughs> See how big that box is gets yeah. you to your doorstep. That was really cool. And then um I got one of the
1: coolest things and it was I got to march uh with the band, the bagpipe band. I was proud of you. Thank you. Yes, they you asked me know. to march at the opening ceremony, right? And they said, "Would you like to march?" I said, "Yes." So I was right behind the guy with the with the big the leading the band. Yeah. Yeah. And I was on the wrong foot. Everyone's on the other foot. I'm on the wrong foot. <laughs> I'm trying to stand up straight. I'm trying to march straight and you know, I'm trying to follow the guy right And I'm, I'm real serious. If you see it on the, on, on my Instagram, I'm real serious. Cause I don't want to screw up. Right? <laughs> I don't want to screw this thing up. And the guy's marched. he's got, he's got a harpoon in front of me. He's up and down. I'm <laughs> like, I don't want to piss him off.
3: <laughs> there are a few things I love more than the bagpipes. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, indulge me here for a second. I, I, I remember when I was a young man, working at a restaurant as a cook in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh-huh. And I get off duty. It's like midnight or something like that. And, you know, I'm looking for action. I'm like, let's go. And all of a sudden, in the distance, this is a, like ever, there's tons of people around in the distance. I hear the bagpipes and I'm like, right. wait a minute, what's going on? And there were bagpipers marching down full pipes and drums down the whatever the main street was in, in Newport. And I fell in with them, and I just started marching with them <laughs> like I was born in Scotland, and I loved it. I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Let's do this thing. Till to this day, I don't know why they were there. I, maybe it was a sign from God saying, this is really <laughs> your calling, Mark, that you need to be part of a bagpipe troop. And I love the pipe. So I love that you got to do that.
2: I do know that you own a correct, what is it, Scott, Scottish outfit? Well, yes, I
3: have a kilt. I have a formal yes. kilt. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, there's... There's a, there's the heart of a Scotsman beaten underneath this young American here.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure those guys that we that were marching looked over and go, who brought the little guy? Is he, is he
3: with you? <laughs> what's it? I think he's the mascot? I don't know. I don't know what's who, co- who, who, is he with you? <laughs> it was a brilliant I would, moment. I yeah. would like
2: to see Adam's mom and you watching Outlander.
3: <laughs> oh
1: God, yeah. Stern! Doesn't he have a beautiful body?
2: <laughs> In oh. your kilts.
3: Yeah. Speaking
2: with a Scottish accent. Yeah. I'm a big fan.
3: Big fan of the Scotland. I would do that with Louise. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So I was marching
1: with this stuff. And, you know, it's, uh, really, the adrenaline's flowing and everything. And then they stop. Yeah. And I get to hang out by the guy with the harpoon, right? And they all circle around me and everything, banging the drums and stuff. And it's like, you know, the adrenaline gets going. And the guy leans over me. He goes, thank you for being I said, well, thank you for having me. He goes, he goes yeah, if, there, if, there's any, if there's any Celtic blood in you at all, the pipes will wake it up. And I'm like, I think there's some in my balls. Because <laughs> they were
2: humming. is that what you felt mark
3: uh i definitely felt a pull of ancient (laughs) ancestry was like you must go follow this music and be with these people like it was it was a primal pull i will i will just say that okay
1: Mm -hmm. i brought up balls you brought up pull so
3: (laughs)
2: and i brought up moving on
3: (laughs)
1: all right (laughs) we're moving on
3: thank you but that's cool i'm glad you get to do that man it's it's sound like a that's just an awesome time yeah,
1: that, it was a lot of fun to be there. And there was also the stair climb for the, uh, the fallen firefighters at 9-11. It was 343. Um, and they climbed the stairs, 343 uh, stairs uh, in memory of it. So everyone lines up. So I was all lined up. I was, I was and my manager, Peter, was there. And he's like, uh, you lined up in front of the chaplain, you know, to shake everyone's hand. And I was like, ah, he's got to forgive me. It's his job. So
2: <laughs> You didn't know any better?
1: Yeah, I know I didn't. I didn't even know it was the chaplain. So we were all we were all lined up and I was sitting there and they were all shaking my hand. and Thank you. And, and, you know, they're getting pictures and stuff. And, and it's like, you know, they were thanking me for being, I said, I'm just here to shake your hand. I'm just an actor. You're doing the hard stuff. You're
3: climbing these stairs, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was really, really nice to be a part of it. Absolutely. That's the kind of stuff that just gives you chills. Just yeah. Chills to, to see it, but to be a part of that. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's just great.
2: You're a very lucky man.
3: I know. I know. And I, I did a
1: bunch of interviews. I did a bunch of roundtables with the firefighters. I, I was talking to a couple that actually they met on the job and they're in the same house and they're dating. Um, wow. Yeah, I spoke That's to a, a guys from the same house, guys from different houses. I had a whole table of female firefighters. That was great because all I had to say was good morning. They started talking. They didn't even need me
0: there. <laughs> they're
2: like, my time to unload. Yeah, they were just sitting. Let me tell morning. you, Adam.
1: Yeah, what's it like in the firehouse? Oh, I'll tell you. They just fine. <laughs>
2: I could have probably sat right there. Yeah.
1: Because of my job, you know, and traveling and stuff, I would go to different houses when I did stand up. um, And I got invited to sit at, at the table and the meal is sacred in a firehouse. So I was very honored because, you know, everybody knows the heroes, but I got to see them being human oh yeah yeah and and hear the stories and i laughed and i was like it was stuff was happy it was sad and all family business was all settled at the table and i they kind of accepted me in there and i was i was very honored for that and i saw the switch when the bell goes off
3: i saw the switch happen oh sure when they when they go from okay we're we're laughing oh we got a we got a job we got to go right right now yeah i mean that's like god the ability to do that and and god those guys are just they are heroes it's it's unbelievable yeah. unbelievable. And they're willing to lay their ass on the line to save yours. So, like every day, they're like,
1: "We we look at it as facing death. They look at it as Tuesday." So, <laughs>
3: right, right, yeah. yeah, that's a different breed. They can sort of look death in the eye and be like, "Yeah, you're not you're not going to define me. You're mm-hmm. not going to dominate me. I'm going to do what I'm going to do despite yeah. you."
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was funny because Chris Turner was told by a doctor that he was going to die at twenty five. Yeez. Yeah. How old was he when he found that out? 15. Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. It brutal. And the frightening thing is, he'll be 25 next week.
3: <laughs> no, no, no. No.
2: That's not true, Adam. I no. can tell. <laughs> Good. Good. Oh, man. No. It's like no. I would be on your podcast if I only had it next week.
3: <laughs> it's on my bucket
1: list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now it was really interesting how he reacted to it. He's a really interesting guy and I had a good time talking to him. So you guys listen to this and we will see you on the other side.
3: Scotland's national instrument, the bagpipe, carries a long and honorable history, stretching back to the beginnings of civilization as one of the oldest known musical instruments. While the trumpet was an instrument of the Roman cavalry, the bagpipe was the instrument of the Roman infantry. The Romans picked
1: it up from Celtic tribes. If there's any Celtic blood in you at all, the pipes will wake it up. And I'm like, I think there's some in my balls. Because <laughs> they were humming.
4: The Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes. You'll never get back.
0: Don't put the bags there. The dog peed.
1: I got some stand-up dates for you. June 2nd and 3rd, I am at the Off Cabot Comedy Club in Beverly, Massachusetts. September 15th and 16th, I'm back at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. October 13th and 14th, I am at Levity Live in Nyack, New York. And October 19th through the 21st, I am back at the Comics Roadhouse at the Mohegan Sun Casino. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes, or you can go to my website and click the link there. And, and you know if you can make these gigs, please let me thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. Stop the music. Now, go on. Get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for
3: kids. Boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say.
1: Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is. Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is a stand up comic and freestyle rapper. His freestyle comedy raps have received over 35 million views on YouTube, and he is currently the first stand up comic to be part of the Cirque du Soleil extravaganza at the New York, New York Hotel in Las Vegas. He was also the first British comedian to appear on The Stephen Colbert Show, where he received a standing ovation. He's extremely quick-witted and funny. He's a new dad, and he was told he would probably die at 25. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please help me welcome Chris Turner. How are you, mate?
4: Um, oh, gosh, what a lovely word to hear. It's been so long since I've had a a, a British mate thrown in there. I'm good, thank you. Uh, oh. um, thank you for such a lovely... And thorough introduction i hope that everyone who remembered that i was a rapper heard my accent and thought yeah that tracks
1: <laughs> yes you are a a surprisingly uh paradoxical and um, i'm gonna use the word genius because i've seen your work and uh um and uh, i'm glad that two things one i'm glad you're alive and thriving
4: fuck them yeah, that's that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Yeah, I mean that that made it sound like it was a threat. Like someone was like, "I'm going to get you, Turner." Um, no, that's <laughs> just a medical a medical professional told me that I had not long to live. Um, but they were wrong. Um, they were wrong. Let's see if I can last another however long this uh, chat lasts.
1: That's great. Well, I, I just want to ask because I wasn't familiar uh, with the with the condition. It, it's uh, it's and it, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it. It's Marfan syndrome.
4: Yes, so what I should say is, I do not have it. Marfan's is part of uh, a kind of family of genetic conditions that are to do with connective tissue. So mm-hmm. in your body, lots of your tissues are connective tissues. Mm-hmm. And when I was 15, on a whim, I was signed up for this bone density study where they just, they were trying to like map the kind of, you know, bone densities of growing adolescents. And my mom was like, you should sign up for that. That sounds like a, you know, that's volunteering your time for medicine. So I was like, yeah, sure, because, you know, I wanted to donate blood and all that stuff as well. So I was like, this is a good thing to do. And they did the scan, and the woman who did the scan was like, Um, let me do that again. She did it again. She's like, uh, is everything all right with your bones? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, they're very weird. I'm like, I mean, are they? She's like, yeah, they're hollow. I was like, ooh, like a bird. She's like, yeah, like a bird, but also... <laughs> like not a human so it it turned out from this scan that my bone density my exterior bone density because your bone is like a honeycomb right Mm -hmm. it's hard on the outside honeycomb in the middle my exterior bone density was six times stronger than average so very kind of wolverine-ish and the internal density was essentially non-existent i had these little drinking straw bones um And so they referred me to this specialist and he's like, oh, you exhibit all the classic symptoms of Marfan syndrome. And I'm like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. What's that? It's not a good thing. It's like that means that your aorta, your main blood vessel, your main artery from your heart will rupture probably when you're about 25. And I was 15 at the time. So I was like, "Okay, that's 10 years. Um, (laughs) And people would ask, they're like, oh, my God, you. What was it like being told you had 10 years to live yeah like i was 15 i was like 25 is so old oh my (laughs) god that's all the time i have 10 years brilliant whatever (laughs) and and so they did a bunch of tests and everything and back then there wasn't a specific genetic test for it it was just Mm -hmm. someone decided if you had it or not they just like would go yeah you've got it based on all these different factors and i kind of ticked a lot of the box of factors however um after and i, I this is very much a period of my life i do not remember mm-hmm. <laughs> but i don't remember being particularly weird about it i don't remember fearing anything because i just thought oh that's ages away right um, i think if you asked my parents they'd be like uh yeah we were scared sure but um at some point in the future from then, uh, the doctor was like, oh, by the way, yeah, you probably don't have it. You probably have some other type of connective tissue disorder that looks like it but isn't. And then when the internet kind of became more of a thing, Mm and I looked up people with Marfans, uh, with all respect to people with Marfans, I don't look anything like I have it. it. You're so... You look different. You look, yeah. I mean, I'm tall, I'm tall and I'm lanky. I've got long, silly arms, And but my gosh, they're massive. They're right, huge. Yeah. Like If I had Marfan's, I would have died at 25, but I would have been an NBA all-star by that age. <laughs> and one thing that was strange, I did a whole show about it called 25, but in mm-hmm. Roman numerals, because I had loads of Roman numeral jokes in that show. Right. And it, the show was done when I was 25. So the big reveal at the end of the show was, am I going to die? No! And everyone's like, yay, he's not going to die. But through the course of the show, I and this is so sad, I did have someone come to the show. They were like, huh, my son has all those things you said. And then it turned out that their son did have Marfan's, but they wouldn't have known it if they hadn't seen the show. And in the intervening years, treatment for Marfan's has actually got a lot better. Um, Essentially, a scientist who was diagnosed with it developed this 3D-printed sleeve that goes round your aorta, right? which um, you surgically have inserted and it holds it together, because the problem with Marfan's is your tissues stretch and so your right. main blood vessel bursts inside you and you drown from the inside out on your own blood, which is not a nice way to die. Uh, and so this scientist invented a way to limit that and he's like, yeah, there's no reason why this would happen to me now. And so good for science. Well done, science. Oh, and you so you carried a message and you helped somebody. I did. Yes, I was just like, oh, this will be a great end for a, a solo show. Just like, mm-hmm. and you know, at the start of it, going like, oh, I'm going to die in ten years. Fifty minutes of comedy. But did I die? <laughs> and uh, it was it was a very fun show to do. Uh, if I guess traumatic for some people watching uh, (laughs) who don't understand how now and joyful for somebody else because they helped their kids. Yes, exactly. It did. It did. I mean, it's such a weird way to start a podcast, isn't it? Like the person you're listening to thought they were going to die, but then they didn't. And here they are.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's, it's not a podcast. We're talking to you through a Ouija board. (laughs) So you were 15 when you got, when, when you got this news, is that when, um, because your your act is so unique and, and so, it's just, just uh, astounding to me. I mean, it really, look, I can improv, but you're improv uh, to a rhythm. And the thing I like about what you do in your raps is you're not just rhyming. There's context. There's a story. Thank you. And that's other level stuff. So, which yeah, came so, first? Is it the music or the comedy muse? Who who sang the, first? The
4: music. The music came first. So, I started rapping when I was twelve, and that was mm-hmm. because I, I I heard rap music for the first time through, like, a friend at school who had some Eminem albums and some Dr. Dre albums, and then I started making up my own raps because I thought that's what rap was. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of entered it through a very weird passage of like I. I'm a a white man who grew up in quite a posh school in Manchester, which is not necessarily posh, but Mm -hmm. like at the school I was at, all my friends liked rock music and I am a big you know, heavy music fan. I love all that, but I I loved rap. And so I was listening, but none of my friends liked it. So I couldn't Mm -hmm. talk to anyone about it. So I just thought that like, oh, when Andre 3000 from Outkast is rapping, he's making that up. That's what Mm -hmm. I thought it was. I didn't realize he's written it and is saying it. So I thought, how would, how can someone be this c- clever to just make up all these things? I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to make up these things and be a smart mm. guy. So I would start making up raps in my room and I did that for six years and the only kind of people who knew that I did it were my friends who would be like, hey, make up a rap about Mike because he's fat and mm. do a little rap about Mike. And he'd be like, oh, okay, cool. We'll make up a rap about... How, you know, Ollie has bad breath. And then you'd do that. Um, and then when I got to university, I started doing improv. Do it like just Whose Line Is It Anyway style comedy. Uh-huh. The Oxford Imps, who are the, uh, the improv group at Oxford University. And in those games, we did freestyle rap sometimes. And I was quite good. Yeah. And so I started doing that. And then when I started doing stand-up, which was a year after starting improv, because... Uh-huh my director was like, hey, you're funny, but you are selfish on stage. You you try and make it all about you. That's not what improv is. Maybe do stand up. Because that's what that is. <laughs> yeah, and so that I guess in a way was supposed to help my improv by letting me, you know, be selfish on stand up stage, but then less selfish on improv stages. That definitely didn't happen. I was still just, I was just doubled down on like, well, now I know I'm really funny. <laughs> Start uh-huh. doing more on the improv stage. Um, but it was a couple of years into stand up because I started out as a one-liner comedian, and like my first kind of big viral video was just one-liners. Mm-hmm. It was a few years later I started doing the improv rap as my closer because yeah. I was just yeah. doing unpaid spots, and I was like, I want to get paid. I want to do longer spots, and someone was like, Do your freestyle. I was like, right. Oh my god, yeah. I thought that was why would you put that in a in a comedy show? It's rap, but right. Obviously, I hadn't made that link. Uh, you'd see a, yeah. a musical comedian. I'm like, yeah, but that's with guitar and musical yeah, comedy. It's, it's that, a type of comedy.
1: Yeah, it, that's the thing I, I love about watching your stuff is you're not a prop act. This is a this is a, a gift you have. Oh, you thank know. you.
4: I did. I did have a memorable gig in Chester, which is in the kind of in northwestish border of Wales, um mm-hmm. in the UK. And I was in the in the UK. The newer act goes in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, the more experienced actor emceeing or opening or headlining, I was in the middle and I did fifteen minutes in the middle, ending with a freestyle, and the crowd really got on board with it. And then the headliner hadn't seen me, and I didn't know him, but he did comedy rap, but written. Yeah. And at the end of his, and it, we watched his set, just going, "Oh no, this is going quite poorly." Yes. <laughs> and afterwards, he was like, "Whoa, what's wrong with them? Do they just..." hate rap and the MC had to be like oh you didn't see chris yeah he made up rap so the crowd were like yeah but that kid just made some up so your written ones kind of aren't impressive yeah. um and then it was very much like uh like oh uh, i've upset that headliner and so i asked my agent i was like should i not be rapping until <laughs> i'm a headliner should i not do that because like i got uh i got kicked off a tour i was opening for a comedian yeah and after two dates, I mean, they didn't they didn't pick me. It was just their management. They were like, oh, we've heard this guy's good. So I started opening for him. After two dates, I got kicked off the tour because a review came out just saying, well, this show's pretty pretty dull, but uh, the opening act at least is really good, probably better than the headliner. And so I got pulled off the tour. That'll do it.
1: That'll do it, my, it, Turner. Yeah,
4: I said to my agent, should I just not rap? And he's like, nah, you should rap because then you'll be the headliner. And I was like, okay, cool. So kept at it and... You know, we are where we are now.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this when you put it together, because what you do is you take not suggestions from the audience, but you take, like, uh, sentences or take me through the process and
4: yeah, how you so put a kind it together. Yeah, a, a kind of standard Chris Turner rap has done at uh, any comedy club in America, uh, and there's a bunch, a bunch of formats that I do. If it's, like, my tour show, I kind of push the boat out and make it a bit more impressive or structurally complex. Mm -hmm. just at a comedy club i'm like okay cool uh i'm a rapper they're all like wait what (laughs) yeah because i'll be honest with you chris
1: you look like a guy that comes to audit the books
4: i gotta you know (laughs) thank you very much i was i i I was going to be a lawyer that was my Mm -hmm. my passion i I wanted to follow the law and be a a barrister or i guess Mm -hmm. over here what you'd call what's the one that stands up in court and you know uh says you're on it client is not guilty okay a scumbag exactly um I, I i take suggestions from the crowd in the sense of i tell them to think of a word or a topic or a phrase and i i encourage them to be creative and i i kind of ban words i uh, words like uh, foods or animals because otherwise mm. people just say pineapple and dog i right. encourage them to not just say british things because that's a real People just shout Harry and Meghan. Yeah, Whatever yeah. topic is in the zeitgeist at that time. You know, mm. Elon Musk comes up all the time. Kanye came up all the time. And I just go, look, I'll be honest with you. I could take that and be like, oh my gosh, wow, how original. And then yeah. do a rap that I've prepared about it and look incredible. But I, I do it as a challenge for me as much as entertainment for the audience. And mm-hmm. so if a suggestion comes up that I have had before and I can't reject it. So say someone says, like, colonization of India. I'm not going to go, oh, I can't rap about that. I've had it before. They'll just believe that I'm lying. Right. Like, Why would he have had that before? So sure. I have to rap about it different each time, which is fun for me, because then by placing restrictions on it, it tends to become more creative. Yeah,
1: and so we all know how Gandhi went to got the salt. So, you know, <laughs> who wants to relive that again?
4: <laughs> so I, I get these suggestions. And to kind of give listeners an idea, the best suggestions I've had like over... You know, however many years of doing this, have been stuff like ninth century crop rotation. Um, <laughs> a, a, we had a German guy who said, a day in the life of an Aztec high priest. Do your rap about that, Englishman. And, <laughs> um, ancient Sumerian cuneiform text. Mm-hmm. Like, just really difficult stuff. But then also in Philly two weeks ago, you know, they, they shouted out Jalen Hurts and uh, sure. ATM, and I was like, oh, "Okay, cool, automated teller machine." And they were like, mm. "No, baby, ass to mouth. You're in Philly." <laughs> so I I rapped about uh, ass to mouth, which was exciting. I'll uh, tell you, you what, is... ass to mouth rap in your accent just sounds elegant. I got to be it was honest, fantastic, yeah. And it was the it was the It provided a perfect parallel to a suggestion from years ago where someone said CBT, Mm -hmm. and I went, oh, cock and ball torture. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, cognitive behavioral therapy. (laughs) So it was the perfect little balance on that seesaw. I'm like, oh, I've revealed quite a lot of myself in that. that
1: Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's the uh, the for my ear, and I've worked for the BBC, so I've worked with uh, uh, a bunch of you guys. Are, you're, you're very proper. You're very well educated. You all go to school, and it's an elevated form of uh, of comedy. Um, did uh, I'm guessing Python had a lot to do with you because I can I can see some of that in you.
4: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, the, the the Pythons, half of them were from Cambridge, half of them were from Oxford. I went to Oxford, and so there's that kind of big shadow of them. Not just over british comedy but over comedy at the university and when you sure. start doing stand-up at oxford or at cambridge your first shows i mean i started in my first year at university so my first three years of shows were mainly to university audiences mm. so audiences that liked it when you were kind of i mean your jokes didn't have to be funny they just had to be clever yeah and so when i started doing shows at real clubs you kind of quickly learn what you can get away with what kind of where the limit is and they're like all right mate it make us laugh rather than think yeah um, but the, the pythons obviously are very silly i mean i i was fortunate enough to see their kind of reunion shows in london mm-hmm. back that was great and yeah i kind of grew up with like i mean tapes tapes and sure and records yeah chords from python cause my dad had those and he would play them to me because he was like you know he loved comedy so he would mm-hmm. play me this stuff in the car he'd play me stuff mm-hmm. like give it to for my bedroom so i could listen when i was going to sleep so there's definitely that influence there uh, do you know camilla of. um we we've oh. met and gigged on the west coast a bunch of times yeah
1: yeah she's very sweet uh john cleese's daughter she's very sweet and uh she's I, I i she always makes me laugh
4: yeah one of the real tragedies of COVID, he said with a hefty dose of uh irony is that the day that the comedy and magic club which is my favorite club in yeah the day that closed for the pandemic was Friday the 13th. We It was Friday, 13th of March. That was the the first show that they canceled because of COVID. And the night before Camilla was there and she says, oh, I'm gonna be on the show tomorrow. And finally, I'm gonna bring my dad to see you. Ah. I've told him about you. He says, that sounds pretty cool. And we tried to make it happen a couple of times there. We tried to make it happen in Vegas when I was there and it, it never worked out. And she's like, he's coming tonight. He te- She texts me on the morning of Friday, like, oh, oh he's gonna come tonight. And I was like, this is gonna be so cool. I get to meet John Cleese. And, and he then work, oh man. I, I get the text from the booker just saying, Hey, show's canceled. I was like, Could it not be? Could we just do all oh, cancel Saturday? Don't-? And he's like, Yeah, no, sorry. I'm just like, Okay. So, well, you uh, know what? Fantasy sad. What I've just learned from that story is
1: you are officially a stand up comic because you think that's the biggest tragedy of the pandemic because <laughs> it affected you. I did the same thing. I said, You know what? I'm on the road. I would like to just get off the road and I just want to be home for a while. I meant series regular. I didn't mean global pandemic. So,
4: <laughs> I thought it was my fault
1: too. You know, I'd love to do it you now, yeah. my friend. I would love to just show the audience how astounding
4: your raps are, if
1: it's possible. So sure,
4: we can we can do that. We can do one live now, yes. Because okay. I know people will be listening, going, "This isn't real." So also, you're going to give the inspiration. But okay. Don't you know? Like I, they they need to believe you that this isn't planned. This is okay. You know, you're not. You didn't tell me in advance what they are. So um, go. So what do you it. need from you- me? Well, I guess what would you like the rap about? It can be about anything at all. Um, I, I, you know, it could be something uh, to, uh, to do with the show, but whatever you're interested in. Um, uh, okay. How about uh, Monty Python? Okay. About, about the pythons. Lovely. Python.
1: Uh, uh, Marfan syndrome. <laughs> okay. This is great. Uh, I'm going to start crying while I'm doing it. That's and uh, and Gandhi, you put Gandhi in my head. okay. which, by the way, let's be honest, you know, a grown man wearing a diaper and refusing to eat. It's pretty infantile behavior for a leader of a nation, don't you think? (laughs)
4: <laughs> I'm going to reserve judgment on that because uh, I don't know what offensive stuff I'm going to say in the rap, that's the problem. People get you to rap and your brain just unleashes and you're like, well, I can't control what's coming out. So uh,
1: yeah, that's, that's, that's the astounding thing to me. Cause I know that's cause I can get into that space. I go into that space. I, I, that's my state of grace. I've said it on the show many yeah. times before is improv, but you ha- you're at a different level. And I think when I, the reason I wanted to ask you at what age that happened and 12 years old, our minds are just open you know the hard drive isn't clogged yet you know and we're just we're doing to do you know we don't know of we're not we're not uh connected to outcome yet because uh we're just pure and i think that's where you know that's where that comes from and i think i think part of the joy of me being able to access that space is i go back to that time so when i see you doing it i know what i know i i know how i feel i can only imagine the 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 inner feeling for you to be operating on that many levels so it's uh well done turner well done
4: oh thank you it's very eloquently put um also (laughs) thank you again for calling me turner this is like being back in high school that was it's (laughs) like having a teacher talk to you it was always turner pay attention stop rapping (laughs) Uh, so we've got monty python marfan syndrome and gandhi would you throw one more in because i worry now people are going to go oh he's been thinking about it while adam was talking he was thinking about his rap Okay. Uh, and a, a, a more wise rapper would have but i don't so okay so what just to make sure so uh,
1: how about uh 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 um, self actualization if we want to go to maslow's hierarchy of needs
4: <laughs> oh my god uh that's I, I will tell you maslow's hierarchy of needs is a brilliant freestyle rap suggestion and no one's ever come up with it before so thank you for being the first person to do it I'll try and dredge up some of my old education um, well this is a freestyle made up on the spot based entirely on those suggestions self actualization Gandhi, Marfan syndrome and Monty Python uh, just for you Adam <laughs> and for your listeners so let's do this British guy coming through with the rap man, no plans. Starting off with Monty Python, Grey and Chapman. Life of Brian crying when he passed. Always look on the bright side, they laughed. You get him on the screen. Small TV, then cinema, Band Life of Brian out the pictures. I'm pretty sure in the UK, the censorship law had John Cleese, the rest on the floor. <laughs> Yes, exchanging, moving on to Palin, he'd be always going out, really railing, coming from the Cambridge and the Oxford College, using all the comedy knowledge, and I acknowledge the influence, all the silliness at home, listening to tapes, Marfan syndrome, measuring <laughs> tapes, they like to get my height, saying, Chris, you're 6'2", 15, is that right? I'm like, oh yes, you're on your own, gonna die in 10 years with the weird bones, got an aortic dissection in structure, doctor telling me that my blood vessel would rupture like fuck that sounds a real deep thing doesn't matter yes i'd be seeking a few months pass by or maybe a year they're like you don't have it so we give the three cheers anyway medical problems come in handy starve myself there brown skin that's gandhi when the british flounce in he be announcing no violence sit here to the chagrin they were so perplexed so bemused they couldn't figure out what to do with this dude ever so small Thin and spindly played in the biopic by Sir Ben Kingsley. Went to my school. That's a true fact. Not Gandhi. Ben, let me spin that back. Coming from India. Getting all of that. Saying we're Indian. We'll take our country back. The British, they were finished. They had to give independent. If you're Maslow, what are you dependent on? You make sure that you really ought to start with the food, shelter and water. But if you go to the top, if you amble, look at the apex of that track. Angle. You need to make sure you can live your life, feel well-rounded, self-actualized. Make sure you got control on your path. There we go, subbing up the freestyle rap. We bring it down nice, we rap high to low, and finish off with that hierarchy by Maslow. <laughs> Whip out those air horns, Adam. <laughs> that was brilliant. Oh. Thank you. That was uh, you start at the
1: bottom and appear in food clothing and yeah, shelter. Yeah, I
4: mean, I was. I mean, let's let's look it up. Let's see if actually I was right. Because I think you're right. Uh, it's food, clothing, and shelter. It's accepted. I, hold on, you got I it. I think I said food, water, and shelter. I guess I'm a bit of a naughty person. So, if we're good, yeah. Self actualization. Able- oh, self actualization is not the top. It's the penultimate because technically there's transcendence at the top, which that sounds a bit um. If we, go, yeah. ah, if we go to the simplified hierarchy, it is at the top. Yes. That's good. So just for listeners, food, water, warmth, and rest at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Then security and safety. Then the psychological needs of intimate relationships, friends, prestige, and a feeling of accomplishment, mm-hmm. and then self-actualization at the top. Shout out, Abraham Maslow. Yeah.
1: You know what I like? The guy was from Brooklyn. So he's like, first you need really? fucking food. All right? <laughs> then you, you got to stay warm. All right, you got to be social with other people, <laughs> then you got to realize you, why you You yeah. got to get respect. You That's need people you to respect know.
4: you. I can't do the accent at all. Because uh, <laughs> are you, are you, I'm I'm in I'm in Brooklyn. I'm a I'm oh a, yeah. I'm a I'm a little Brooklyn boy now. Yeah, I'm. It's very strange to be uh, here because this growing up, I was like, I love rap. Oh my god, I love Brooklyn, and then. Right. Uh, it, we're recording this the day after um, uh, Notorious B.I.G.'s death date. Here, he, he mm-hmm. was shot on March ninth, and he was shot a couple of blocks away from where I used to live in. By the LA. Peterson, yeah. And so, because yeah. whenever I've said people that in the UK, they're like, wow, you must live in a real grimy neighborhood. I'm like, no, he was in a nice neighborhood when yeah. it happened. Um, it, was, it was Fairfax in in, in Wilshire. Yeah, so I, I I lived there, and now obviously I'm in Brooklyn. But it's it's strange because I'm like bringing up. My, my daughter in Brooklyn. It's quite mm-hmm. weird to be like a very British man raising a a proper Brooklyn baby. I can't wait for her to start speaking in the accent. It's going to be amazing.
1: Oh, that's that's wild. It's, now, does she have... Uh, have you noticed any music? I don't know. How, how
4: old is your daughter? She's 15 months. Uh, oh, she, okay. Oh, she definitely loves music uh, mm-hmm. her daycare have a guitarist come in once a week to like play songs and she dances along and she claps along and she's kind of on beat which is good mm-hmm. uh, the other day i was like they sent a video and he was playing a nirvana song and right. not like a famous one i mean it was from nevermind he was playing drain mm-hmm. you and i was like i don't know if you can play weird nirvana b-sides to children that's very straight i mean i love it i was like yeah right. it's all for that but i was like god some park slope parents are gonna get in a real you know <laughs> about this it's i mean our neighborhoods it's pretty crazy we had an alligator in the lake near us just a yeah i saw ago. it in the paper yeah that's our lake that's our nearest lake
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way a lake in brooklyn you An alligator's the least of your problems of what's
4: in there. (laughs) Well, when I lived in Vegas doing Cirque du Soleil, that was when... That was when the reservoir, Lake Mead, was dropping and they kept Mm -hmm. finding all these bodies in barrels from the 50s. As it went down, they'd go back further and further. And they're like, they found seven dead bodies. And people were going there to find bodies. Sure. Like, wait, why are you doing that? They're like, well, I've got to find a body. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? You're like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) What? That's your weekend? Oh, I'll get my flippers and uh, find a corpse.
1: Yeah, but what they don't realize is now you're a witness. There's no statute of limitations on murder. You, you, what are you doing?
4: It's <laughs> very true. That's very true. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to. You don't want to put yourself in that position.
1: Oh God. So I uh, am I going to see you at the cellar? I know you work out there. Our paths have not crossed yet.
4: No, I'm 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 there. I mean Fridays and Saturdays. I'm I'm there tonight. I'm there tomorrow. Uh, I mean, it obviously depends when anyone's listening on this. But right. if you are in New York, uh, you or the royal you, anyone. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty much always there on a Friday or a Saturday, uh, kind of work, work the weekends so that I can be a dad in the week. And if I'm there, you will see me rap. So come prepared with topics that you would like a rap about and, you know, be, yeah, try and try and catch me out. Try and really make it good because I I like it. I I like it when people shout ATM and mean a (laughs) horrendously graphic sexual activity. (laughs) Well, you are astounding at it, my friend. People can check out your tour dates on your website, yeah? They can indeed, yeah. And um, uh, my YouTube is where you can find weekly videos of me freestyle rapping. And then Instagram is the best place to find out kind of uh, seller dates and also just to message and be like, hey, when are you coming to this place? Or or, how do you come to this place? Because I'm just starting to do more shows outside of New York. Um, So very excited to start doing that. Great. Well, continued success, my friend. I hope our paths
1: cross soon and best to you and your family.
4: Thank you so much. And to you.
1: That was impressive to me.
2: Yeah. And not only did he have to like know what he's talking about, he had to make it rhyme.
1: Yeah. And not yes. run up and not run up into his head and go, what,
3: well, well, what do I do now? He's just out <laughs> and flowing. He's was so- very confident. He should be confident. How the hell do you do that? I know That's literally the most amazing thing I've ever heard. He's mm. throwing <laughs> these random topics at him, and and now, truth be told, this wasn't something that you taped over like the space of like an hour while you guys workshop what he was going to rap about. This was all immediately. This is what was going on. It's crazy. It was all real time. I'm not. I'm not editing. I'm not working that hard. And God knows you're not Stern. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. That's. And he does this on stage. Like yeah. the fearlessness <laughs> of that is unbelievable. This is, I I, I mean, I get it. If you want to improv, like mm-hmm. there's things you can improv, but this is improving. As you said, Alex, like detailed topics and making it rhyme and making this cohesive line of thought through all of it. He's like, Oh, I'm going to take you from here to here, to here, to here. And, and I'm going to make it funny. I'm going to throw some funny stuff in there that, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a very specific skill, Like, thank God he found his way. Like, he's got a really interesting journey. Thank God he found his way to this instead of being the most fascinating barrister in all of London. Yeah, I mean, you know,
2: excuse me. I think he's some sort of savant, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's just, uh, well, it's it's like Phil. Phil's an idiot savant
3: without the savant. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Phil. Oh, my
2: goodness.
3: (laughs) I just, I, I mean, I... Listen, I, I've seen you do work uh, in, in improv on stage. And as far as I'm concerned, there's nobody better. Like, like I love when you're swimming in that and you're just in the moment and they're throwing stuff out and you just roll with it. And it's great. And I've done it. And I'm not comparing myself to you as a comedian, because I'm I, listen, I understand the difference between our levels of talent. But I've done it. and I love improv.ing It's great when you just get stuff and you're like flowing with it. But to have people specifically throw you random weird stuff that you then have to throw in a jumble in your head on the fly and Mm. make it all come out. And I love that he's also like, no, no, if I've already talked about that, like if you've asked me a topic and I've already done it, I have to come up with a new way to keep it challenging for myself. So he's almost like playing to his own (laughs) level of difficulty. He's not like, oh, I've done this. I can just go back to that routine. He's constantly challenging himself. It's just incredible.
2: And Adam, really, self-actualization. Yes.
1: He asked. <laughs> oh he God. asked. He asked. He goes, well, give me something else. I went, All right. And Maslow's, he knew Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He he knew the pyramid. Yes. That's He's so a perfect amazing. date for you, Adam. What? <laughs> it's
2: a perfect date for you. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he do well look, he put Gandhi in my head, so I said Gandhi. <laughs> sure. I had the pythons in my head and Marfan syndrome, you know. So I was like, okay, I'll I'll go with these. He goes, no, give me something else. I said, All
3: right. Well, again, he Smart said, he's ass like, yes, you asked for it. it, it <laughs> he said, he he said, people might think I'm cheating, that we've already talked about these things and it was pre-planned, so give me something random right now. Yeah. And of course, you, you. Thank you for pointing that out, Alex. Yeah, of course. I was like going to go, well, let me go into one of my weird esoteric philosophical wow. debates here in Maslow's hierarchy. Blah, blah, blah. And what did he I, say? I he goes, he's going, well, thank you for a brilliant suggestion. No one's
1: ever suggested that. I said, thank you. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Oh and he knew God. what it was. He knew what it yes. was. He knew He knew the bottom of the pyramid. That, that's he pretty yourself. You well, know,
2: like... Did I get it right? Oh, I did get it right.
1: <laughs> he was close. He was close yeah. to it. Well, the reason that stuff is stuck in my head, I told you why that stuff is stuck in my head. When I was a kid, I was dyslexic. They didn't know what it was, so mm-hmm. they gave me the the books on tape. They gave me the big orange tape recorder that played the books on tape that the blind kids used. So it was like giant keys. <laughs> you can't miss it, kid. Can't miss it. It looks like it looks like the it looks like the 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 phone on the wall in an assisted living complex. <laughs> huge giant numbers. <laughs> Should I worry? <laughs> no, that's what they gave me when I was a kid, and the only books you can get was children's books and philosophy shit. So I was getting autobiography <laughs> of a yogi shit. and Flat Stanley. These are the things that were was going into my head.
3: Now it all starts to make sense, Mr. Yeah. Ferrara. Now it comes into picture. Yep. Well, I just you know, I, I'm stunned. I, I literally am speechless after that. It's just that's just so wild and so impressive. And I also love that when he started out on tour, he was doing it in the headliner with like a similar act. Yeah. <laughs> He's so like, get out of here. You're already better at this than me, you little shit. Get out yeah. of here. He goes, <laughs> I got fight. He goes to the agent. Should I stop? He goes, "No, nah, now.
1: Nah. We're going to cash in. Yeah. You're going to be in Vegas at, at Cirque du Soleil doing this shit.
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah. I would go see that. Mm-hmm. interesting how he would deal with that
3: and by the way Mm. going through all this he's he he seems to be a fairly well-adjusted human being after being told at the age of 15 you're gonna die in 10 years like he probably got about 10 years left i mean how he handle all of that that's just that's just astonishing
2: well-adjusted he has to be the most positive person that i know he's like Oh, that's okay. You mean, you mean bones like a bird? He was like, yeah. every bad news he got, he, he was like, Oh, you mean like a superhero? Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean like, you know, he was so positive. I
1: know. I was thinking about if they told me that at 15 on my 25th birthday, I would have went to the doctor's house, rung his doorbell. Can I help you? Punched him right in the neck. <laughs> <Rung>! <laughs> Don't get up.
2: Don't get up. I'm
1: going to hit you again. If you get up.
2: I would punch him, too, Adam, or at least step on his foot. Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, if, if I was told I was going to die, uh, I, w- I don't know if I'd be that positive. I I'd know there's a lot of people I'd tell off right away. I would, <laughs> I would have a list of people that have wronged me. And I said, listen, <laughs> clock's running and I got to settle the score.
2: What he did say, that 15, like 25 was so far away. Yeah, like now I mean, at my age,
1: 25 is far away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I remember when I was 15, I just couldn't wait to be 18, and it took
3: forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I get, and if you're 50, yeah, 25, that seems like forever. You're like, yeah, I got tons of time. And I know. Now- but, you, but you guys are missing the
1: point. And at 25, death. Does that not affect you at all? Okay,
2: okay, it does affect me, and I don't like it when – you're told a certain thing and they don't really know people don't know Mm -hmm. but you're told a certain thing like remember i told you that story adam the ballet teacher that i went to said sorry you're not going to make it because your feet that was crushing i was devastated i was like seven honey my feet stink at seven (laughs) who knows what my life could be
3: now
1: that's the first person's ass i'm going to kick on the list if they tell me i'm going to (laughs) die
3: thank you yeah, we got a name of this teacher and yeah. an address. By the,
1: way, Stern, Gretchen is. by the way, Stern, this ballet teacher taught out of her
3: garage. So it wasn't exactly <laughs> She'll Joffrey. Never, yeah. <laughs> You'll never make it to Paris on the big stage. Yeah. <laughs> Neither are you. Get yeah. out of here, you idiot. She's looking at my wife's feet. Are oh, they
1: not shaped right. Look at the shape of my foot. I just want you to get a good look at it before I
3: bury it in your ass, lady. How's that? <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm taking you with me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they, somebody told you that it's seven years old. Yeah. That's like, and also there's no Santa Claus and no Easter. Oh, yeah, there you go. He's a horrible person. Yeah. You know, you just you say, look, all right, let's go have fun. Kids, you're seven. God. I know. Just let her wear the tutu. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. But the
1: th- also it's well, what you said is very true is what you believe. You're only, you're only restricted by your own beliefs. When he said he was rapping and now he learned how to do it. He thought those guys were making it up on the spot. So he didn't know, he didn't know he's not supposed to be
3: able to do that. (laughs) No, That's that's what I'm saying. It's like the most bizarre, unique ability to do all of that on the fly in your head. And I I can't rap, so I'm not even going to try right now. But like people that do, like you practice it, you probably get it down. You write it down. There's lyrics. If you're singing a song, rapping a song, you got to have the lyrics in front of you. I'm thinking, I guess. So
1: it's just incredible. Really was a, it was amazing to me that he didn't know he's not supposed to do that. That that's that that's Zen mind. That's called Zen Mind or Beginner's Mind. And I know that from one of the tapes I got when I was a kid. It was an Alan Watts <laughs> lecture. Alan Watts and Curious George the Monkey. These are the things that went into my head.
3: <laughs> now, I a, now I have a very clear understanding as to why why you are the way you are, my friend. I know.
2: Yes. Words are very powerful, Adam.
3: They are, baby. I don't know what I'd do if somebody told me I had 10 years or like it. I don't like knowing there's an inline. Like I know, mm-hmm. I know what's going to happen. I just don't want to know the general area. Cause I would just obsess about it the whole time. I would have the circle on the calendar be like, why should I do anything? I know this is coming <laughs> up. So yeah, I would be, I would be frozen by the whole thing. See, so. I, don't,
1: I don't know if I'd be frozen. I would be stupid leading up to the date. You know, I'd be like, of course I'm going to get in that Indy car. Why? I'm not dying for another 10 years. I'll get out of this one.
3: <laughs> I got ten years. So well, it's,
2: like, it's not how it works. <laughs> I'm the other way. I'd say screw that. You know, I'm a preemie. I was supposed to die the day I was born. So I got a lot of screw you and me. That's, you know, somehow that doesn't sound right, honey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a fighter. I'm okay. First of all,
1: who are you telling? Go ahead. <laughs>
2: If someone told me I was going to die at a certain age, I'd say, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, just watch." Then mm-hmm. I go climb a mountain or something, which I have.
1: Good for you. Yeah, I was, I was stern. I was a pre preemie too, and I just, I gotta lay down. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's an old saying, "Die what you love doing." You could die walking out your door. So, die what you love doing. Mm-hmm. Die on just, stage, Adam. I have. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it that way, Adam.
1: <laughs> I want to thank Chris Turner for being my guest. You can follow him on social media. Mm-hmm. It really is astonishing what he is—he uh, has the ability to do. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go?
2: The Adam Ferrara at Gmail.
1: Uh, thank you guys for spreading the word about the show. Please tell 843 people about the show. That'll help us out a great deal. And if you get a chance to leave us a review, you know that always helps us with our friend, Mr.
2: Algorithm.
1: And we are all in this together, brothers and sisters. So please share the road. And remember that life is hard. Take it easy on yourself.
0: The part is ended. Go in peace.
2: Did they give you any fire classes on Top Gear, just in case? No. <laughs>
1: There was the, the, no the training. I got news for you. Top Gear never even asked to see my driver's
2: license. There was still nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little scary. Yeah. I've seen you drive. I doubt you even have a license.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find